Welcome to Conscious Convo Podcast. This is episode number 18. You're here with me, Craig Seaton. Oh, sorry. <laughs> How are you going to introduce me? Chet Carson. <laughs> we'll try a new style. Yeah, um, I think people have started to get bored um, of my usual way of introducing this podcast. But anyway, how are you doing, Craig? I'm good, man. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Yourself? Yeah, I'm really good. Um, just uh, not really appreciating the new change of weather that we had recently. Yeah. Well, the temperatures have gone down 15 degrees. You're ruining your new climbing time. Basically, I haven't, yeah, I've not done any climbing since, uh, I think it was Saturday. So I was supposed to thunderstorm on Saturday. Sorry, Friday. I was supposed to thunderstorm on Friday. It didn't happen, so we quickly made a spontaneous decision to drive down to Derbyshire again and go climbing again. Nice. Yeah. You went camping, so let's talk about that first of all. Yeah, incredible, incredible. We went for around three days. Uh, so two nights out in the tent and it's wild camping as well. Uh, just unbelievable. Like spending that, I've never done it for that prolonged period of time. I've been for a night or something, you know, and it's just, it's such a different thing to be completely engulfed by the environment and how I started to think change, you know, waking up with the sun and I did a, a couple of walks on my own, just wrote some poetry down, just felt very inspired and what was around me, like, it's just, there's no words for it. When I was there, I was like, it literally felt like heaven. I was like, this feeling I had is, this is it. There's, there's nothing else personally that I needed or was bothered about or concerned about or the thoughts I had were all quite pleasant. And it was just a sense of peace and ease of, of being in nature. And I think living on that level of simplicity as well, just so much for you to let go of things. And it really helps untangle so many knots that we not just develop in our mind with the way we think or what we compare to, or am I doing it right? And all this bollocks. That gets to disappear and also just what's around you, you've got that and that's all you've got and that's all you need rather than the complexity of thinking we need more things and to do more or to achieve more. It's like nature will fix that for us 100% and comparing that with how society is built with gain and development and again achieve, do more, be more and we really don't need to. You know, So much of, of Alan Watts's lectures or um, Buddhism or Taoism, it just it, it, it makes, sinks in, it makes sense when you're in that space of you are life, you're a part of life, you know, you're, you're an individual expression of it, but you're, you are this at the same time. Not to forget that we are nature and that's how we remember it, not, you know, not man conquering the world as right, we've made these cities and now I'm going to make myself uh, a professor or a business owner or, you know, whatever, whatever those titles are, they bring so much drive with it and they're progressive and beneficial for sure but let's not get lost in the game of what we're trying to achieve and be do that if you can keep it as fun not as something that's serious and well this is who i am and how i have to be like we miss life that way and being in anybody who's stressed or stuck with anxiety or confused or in the head too much 100 percent, you've got to get out to nature <laughs> just just even two days but if you can make three days five days Oh, the benefits, just unbelievable. And I, I really was in heaven, man. The feeling was, this is it. This is it. Mm. So how many days were you there? Three days. Three days. Mm. And I think we were talking about it before you went in previous podcasts, when we when we did the last podcast together, uh, that you wanted to go camping and you just wanted to experience being away from the city centre. Especially because of all the stuff that's been going on with the lockdown and then all the riots and stuff. It's just nice to get away. And I think one thing I realised over the lockdown, and I think I put a post about it on my Instagram, is how beautiful the UK really is. It's, it's almost, they compare, I think, um, Britain and New Zealand. And we're very similar to New Zealand in terms of landscapes, in terms of the, the mass of, of uh, you know, the fauna and, and the sort of grasslands that we have. But I think the only thing that's different from us compared to New Zealand is the climate. You know, they have a more tropical climate because they're based in the South Pacific. Whereas we have more of, we get, well, we're influenced by other weather differences. So we get the stream that's coming through, the Gulf Stream. Um, then we've got the Northern Breeze and then we've got the African, the desert heat that comes through as well. So we're affected so vastly by other surroundings. And yeah, it's just incredible how, when you have a really beautiful day, you can really appreciate the beauty of, of being outside the city. Um, but yeah, just it's just one thing I've really taken away from this last couple of months. How beautiful. I don't think I've really appreciated how beautiful the UK is. I know everyone, when people say, um, so when someone, a, a foreigner or someone who's traveling comes over and says, you know, oh, I'm here to visit the UK. You ask them, why the hell are you here in the UK? You could go anywhere in the world, you're here in the UK. 
And it's probably because we just don't really appreciate it or we don't see it. I think because we're so surrounded in those concrete jungles. And like you said, we're so caught up in the chase of life, you know, making money, um, just making a living and creating a family, etc., that we lose out on the beauty of life and the sort of the natural beauty of life. Uh, and I remember when I was climbing, the amount of times I've looked down and I was like, it's, it's astounding that this thing exists. It's, it's absolutely amazing how this thing actually exists where I'm looking at everything and yeah, it's just, it's, it's incredible. Mate, that's, that's, that's it. It's realizing it. This is life. Like fucking look at this around us. These mad, beautiful trees. Like looking at a tree and like, why do I feel so much joy and love looking at this fucking tree? Like, I, you know, I think that's in all of us. If we allow ourselves to, to unwind and you looking at the separation of, that we have through nature as we go more into the man-made world. And this is, I think, a very easy distinction from illusion and the Maya is in the man-made social structure of who you think you are, who your personality is, and all this becoming real. Um, it really puts those observations in perspective, like, oh, when I'm in the city, I think I'm this person, but really I need nothing. I can just be with these trees and the river and the grass, and I'm complete, and I have no problems with anybody, and I'm happy to be here. But when I'm in the city, oh, this comparison, this judgment is, I want this, and I want that, and that's not right, and it should be this way. And like, that is so dependent, so much dependency on the environment, and it's going out to soften and let go of that, to, to bring what we know from outside, in the outside world, in the wild, and nature, and to try and bring that into where we live in the city centre, and maybe establishing the balance of living outside the city and, you know, moving in and whatnot. It really helped me reflect on what I actually want for my life. Um, but, yeah, just just being in awe of what's around us, man, the trees, the grass, and why are we so inspired or for what you said, like, how is this here? Look at it, it's bizarre. And, <laughs> and nature itself will do that. The biggest example for me is stuff like magic mushrooms, or these things that, or ayahuasca plants, these, psychedelics that take you on an inward journey and you know a deeper experience of life and consciousness they grow on the ground like nature is giving us these things or nature itself is there to what all i can ever think is to wake us up is to make us see we're already a part of this incredible life force this system around us in the planet and the only distortions occur when man thinks he's got a better idea when man tries to wrestle and conquer nature um where does that stem from though? Where, where's the desire to, to overpower nature and to conquer it? Like why, where does that seed grow in a human being? Why is that there? You know, does that make, have you ever wondered about that? I think, you know, I haven't actually directly stopped and gone, why does that come from? Mm. The only thing I can, I think it, it can come from is I want to, either have more or we're unhappy with what's around us. Probably started off innocently like, fire, great, let's make something hot. Oh, let's make something to contain it in. Oh, a wheel, great. Oh, a house, great. You know, and it's, it's all good and, and pleasurable. Um, not even pleasurable, it's achieving something. It's getting us a better state of comfort and living. But when you ride that too far, you've, you've forgot what was way back at the start. It, it, there's no integration. It's right, keep making the next thing, keep getting the next thing on and on and on. Uh, which develops that, that sense of mind to not settle with what you've got because it's not good enough because there's something bigger and better but bigger and better at what at maybe being effective at the use of the tool but also effective at corrupting your sense of peace and understanding and balance with the rest of life you know we were talking just briefly before about the movies and uh, slow movies that people don't have time for even though there's more feeling and emotion and atmosphere in them than the flashbang wallop kind of films like that is the summary of life, you know, the things we're attracted to are telling us where our psyche is at and what, what we, we see in life. And when we're going so far away to, oh, I just want it efficient and quick and that hit of dopamine or whatever it is to get from that feel of achievement, that I'll buy something and oh, I'll feel great for a while because I've bought something and then it fades, so you have to buy something else. Like None of that is at peace, at ease. Wow. So maybe that, that, that motion to want more or to take ourselves away from nature it continues to only fuel itself because it can't be complete at any point, especially if you're looking for life on the bigger scale of uh, philosophy or understanding consciousness, because you know anything we're making can't take us there. It can't give us that understanding. It can't, you know, maybe scientific tools can still see something, but it will never 
um, you know, the achievement of wanting things or being a certain person or when I'm rich, I'll feel great or when I become this. Yeah, you might get those things, but that won't actually ever scratch the itch of being, do you understand life and do you understand what's around us and do you understand where you are? And that all of that stuff to achieve and to build and to make will not ever put you at a certain, a, a true understanding or feeling of peace because we develop too much of that mind. It will always strive forward in a very negative way, but it's seen as the right way. And it just, yeah, it just fuels us away from it. We've already got it, we're already in it. Let's drop what, you know, go into nature, dropped anything that was what I thought I needed or thought I wanted or who I wanted to be. It's like, oh, that's just that's just fun character to play in town. You know, it's, yeah, yeah. in society, it's not. In nature, you're at the ultimate. You've got everything, you are everything. I think it's down to that in a way, the fact that it's easier to be in an environment where you've been given a role. It's much easier. Wherever you watch the movie, you must have seen the, the movie Castaway, Tom Hanks. Yeah. So one thing I took away from Castaway and one thing I took away when I listened to Alan Watts talking about being stuck in nature and not being able to get out of nature is the fact that the first thing that disappears, especially when you're a hermit or you're, you're a solo monk, um, the first thing that disappears is your the chattering mind. Mm -hmm. Because when you're chattering to yourself, you are talking in a language that was constructed in an environment where you were with other people and it was constructed for the benefit of relating messages. When you're not in that environment, when you're solo and you're not around people that are almost backing that language, telling you that you have to be, it's like being multilingual and not be talking. So I haven't talked Gujarati for a long period of time for, uh, for more than like maybe five or 10 minutes a day. Because obviously when I talk to my parents, when I talk to, when I sometimes talk to my friends and it's just broken Gujarati, that's the only time I, I slot it in. You know, I kind of cross the Gujarati with the English. But generally speaking, unless I'm in India where I'm having to use that language and subsequently later on that language becoming my conscience, because right now we think in English because that's our main mother language. But having to switch between one language and, and then drop dropping that language and pick up, picking up another language, it's almost as... Well, we don't really fully appreciate it because it happens naturally, but in nature, you are more aware of it when you're having to drop the language. And now you're not, lo you're no longer talking to yourself continuously, you know? So that's one thing I took away from Tom Hanks, he's a uh, castaway. A few weeks there, he was talking to himself and then he created the, the friend, the boss. Yeah. And then after that, when he was almost, just before he was rescued and then when the rescue was happening, he was struggling to really describe his experience because he lost that almost you're separating the primitive self from the, the the deeper self, the conscious self. You've separated the two and you've somehow brought them again together because of him being rescued. So in that environment, he's had to drop that self. And then as soon as he's been rescued, he's had to somehow learn to merge those things together. And for him, the, the fact that he had to merge them together was too much of a burden on him compared to when he was actually out there. Obviously, originally when he was cast away, on that land, it was hard for him to separate the self. But then as soon as he merged them together, it became extremely difficult to now integrate the self again. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a part of, it's a, it's a fear instinct um, that we've had since the caveman days where it was all about survival. Mm -hmm. And back then survival, it was a big thing because most of the creatures were a lot bigger than us. You know, so for us to go from that environment where we're always in nature, we're always appreciating both sides. So you see birth and death, you see beauty and, you know, the dark side of, of nature as well. So when you're having to see those two extremes, you can appreciate both things. And I guess that's why we're in the world that we're living in today, where we always, we're looking for the archetype as opposed to the whole character of a person, because we're always trying to aspire to be that one perfect being. And we're not accepting a person's flaws um, to consider that person a full being. And, and I think going back to the, the seed that's planted in us, it stems from a fear of trying to accept both aspects of us. The aspect that is free and unbound and the aspect that has allowed us to become tame and grounded in, 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 the, in the environment of the superficial environment that we created. And I kind of went off on a little tangent there, but I don't know if you, can, if you followed it through, but it's basically the fact that it's stemmed from now that we don't have to survive as much. It originally was an insecurity about the survival. We want to, obviously, we want to survive and we want to prosper, but we can't do that if our life expectancy is only 25 years or, you know, less than that because we're going to get killed or mauled by a, by a mammoth or, or some, some other creature because we're trying to hunt, uh, again, for survival. 
So once we've dropped that lifestyle and we've moved away and we've lived in surroundings now that we are no longer having to wake up and ask ourselves, am I going to die today? Mm. We've we've kind of attached to that now. Mm. We've really latched onto that and we're not, it's like a, a baby suckling on a mother's teeth. You can only have a baby suckling on a mother's teeth to a certain age. Once it grows up, you have to let the child be its own person. You know, you have to say, actually now you're old enough, you can't be suckling on my teeth. And I think, <laughs> I think the mother obviously stops, stops producing milk in that situation. But for the child to let go of something that they've been used to doing since they were, you know, since they came out of the womb, it's difficult. But it's, it's a life lesson we learn unconsciously because, well, it happens consciously, but we're so young that we don't remember it. And the same thing that's happened to us right now is the fact that as soon as we're pulled away from that, that surrounding that we're so comfortable in or the environment that we're comfortable in and we're thrown into nature, whether that's through an accident, a, a, you know, a cataclysmic accident, like, you know, an earthquake, whatever, tsunami, or a plane crash, or et cetera, or we've been, we've told ourselves we need to actually explore that side. So we've gone camping. It's a, it's a merger of the, the sort of the primitive self with the intellectual self and you brought them together. So yeah, I kind of just... I I'm, wish I had a notepad, man. I got so many good points there. Um, perfect being, let's hold on to that one. Yeah. I'll come back to that, it's a good topic. Um, what were you saying there, like, you know, the integration of, of Tom Hanks um, from like, what, what we're afraid of when, when it, it comes with being alone you know, you're out, you're stranded, or you're out in nature. And I think the what we realise, the fear may come from, you know, if we can get past it, oh, I might die sort of thing, and you've just got to live like on Lost or something, you know, mm. they're just living. What we've actually lost is the identification of who we were in the city or where we lived with the relationships that we had and the yeah. connections that we had there. All that's changed is where you are. Like, it's just... Do I know who I am now? Will I be competent in this place? Do I know what to do to survive? What about the structures that kept me afloat? I've not got the things that I identify with or the things that make me feel good or important. All of them are going, you know, when you change location, which is why people who stay where they are so long and they don't want to move is because they've established something. What they've established is not necessarily achievement, is personality. And this is who I am. And this is how I'm seen by my friends and my public. So I'm going to stay here because I like that. And that might stop further development because we're so ingrained into the habits. You know, personality is just that formation of habits, of the feelings that we like to manage and, and hold there, or unconsciously hold there, because and we don't like them, but we just stay with them again because we don't want to change. While as somebody who jumps around city to city, country to country, you know, doing that for a while, getting experience, great. But that person can be doing that because they don't want to stop and settle and let their demons are letting themselves yeah. catch up with who they are and work on who they are. So there's always the balance. I mean, you can do any of those things without a negative perspective at all. It can be, well, I love being here and I love who I am and it's coming from a positive thing. I don't need to move. Great. Then you stay there and it's, it's fine. Or somebody who likes to travel around because of the joy of doing it and what they get to see and they're not running away from themselves. It's always great to see where we're coming from. Um, but to, to, you know, when we go out to the wild or you are cast away, it's like, your structure and your web of who you were is not there now. Mm. Is that the real fear? Because it's a form of death. It is a dying, you know? Every time we can start a new day, we can die. Christian Murray's big on that. He's like, the only thing you're afraid of dying is one, because it's an unknown experience. So we've got nothing to cling to. Like you said, on the Lost Island, there's nothing to hold on to. That personality structure isn't there. You don't know what's going to happen when you die. Mm. So there's nothing to hold on on the other side. And the other is, you're losing everything you think is yours or you think you are. So the easy way is your possessions. Oh, that's my car gone. Or, oh, I'm not going to be the, the CEO. Or, you know, my relationships aren't there. I'm not respected by my kids. Or somebody who looks up to me and loves me no matter what. You know, all that stuff is like part of personality that we hold on to to define ourselves. If we can let go of those things every day, which is dying every day, is dropping something that held us back. Even like working on the shadow sides of, of fears, guilts, and shames, like they're massive. They hold people back so much um, to not allow themselves enjoyment or to not really seek full fulfillment or not do the thing that they want to go traveling or they want to do a course in something. Or, no, I can't do it because da, da, da. It's like, you can do whatever you want. Don't hold on to the past, whether it's propping you up or holding you back. You can let go of all of it and be new and fresh every second. And I think nature really shows that when you're there. Um, it may have been a young quote you said that going into the wild on, on your own is either for wild beasts or that's if you can't for people who, who 
don't want to put up with society or go off into the wild. It's either for wild beasts or gods. Mm. And now, you know, think about what that is saying. What mindset can you have when you're into the wild and you don't have those structures? Are you a wild beast and an anarchist and like, no, I'll do it on my own? Or is it coming from a godly nature of, I just want to be alive, real alive in a real place where you're not contending with dense aspects of ego from yourself and from the reflections of others around us like oh they're gone in nature or in solitude and I think solitude is something we should all partake in um, like you say with celibacy once we should all try it once for a month see how it goes I mean people might struggle to do solitude for a month but Vipassana silent meditation retreats with other people but not talking is a form of that 10 days 5 days silence whatever but to go out in the woods or in a part of nature on your own that's why the yogis would go into caves even to the remote case, because they then won't be distracted by the nature around them or the, the beautiful birds and what even that they could see as a distraction when they're looking for that in the world. Um, but yeah, to, to, to be in solitude and in solace is something incredible. I think it's a Nietzsche who said that not everybody should do it because of, we might mention it before as well, is that the mind isn't developed enough mm. to be able to go in to those elements like dark retreats. Would you be able to do seven days in the dark so you don't know what time it is day and night? Like I'm, you know, I'd, I'd love to give that a try and it's on my list to do. But you can see that those things or retreats or even being silent, people are fasting, you know, another form of, of de-cleansing. Like they can be very difficult for the mind to work with through the discipline and through the remembrance of why you're doing it. Um, but there's so much profound results going into an element like that to discover what you are, not who you are. You know, nature will show us you're a part of this. You are the life, you are the world. You're not an individual on your own. Like you're an individual expression, yeah, but you're never, there's no need to ever be afraid when you're that and you can let go of the attachments and the links which creep up every now and again. It's like, okay, it's time to go out again. It's time to remember and let go of this stuff. Yeah. But I think that comes again from the fear of the unknown. And I feel like, um, I think the best thing I can describe it to being like is when I think a friend of mine mess messaged me the other day after I did my long ass climb off, off this wall and she said, are you not, you don't seem like you're afraid. And I said, well, the fear is always there. The fear is always there. It's deep in you. It's ingrained in you, but it's how you react to that fear and how you, how you choose to manifest that fear. Mm -hmm. So for most people, the, the natural inclination is to let that fear completely engulf you which is the normal thing to do. But then once you've done that, what can you, what can you do after that? You know, once the feeling has completely engulfed you, what can you do? And what we've done, I would say, um, as mankind or as human beings over the last God knows how many years since we moved away from the, uh, the sort of the forest environment into the urban environment is that we've, we've allowed that fear to engulf us immediately because it's a natural inclination that if you have fear, it's from a, either from a previous experience that you've had and you didn't know how to deal with that situation. So if, I don't know, a tiger jumped out of, you, out of the grass at you, it's your response to that. Or you can either, I think it's you respond to that for what it is, or you, you allow that fear to completely engulf you and you now make sure there are no tigers that jump out. Um, I don't know if you understand what I mean, but it's basically the fact that you've gone from an environment that's unpredictable, but at the same time, it's, it's kind of fair. If you look at nature for what it truly is, as opposed to just uh, dipping your toes in and out of nature, you'll see that nature is fully fair. You know, you'll have uh, gazelle, baby gazelles being killed by cheetahs or lions, and then you'll get situations where uh, baby lions, cubs are starving because they're not food. Nature has its own way of, of handing out karma, if you want to call it karma, but handing out just life in itself. But for us, it's, it's very difficult to, to comprehend that because we feel as though when we lose something, that's, it's like nature going against us. And through that, it's created this environment where we'd rather be in this environment where there is very little opportunity for you to experience that kind of fear, to make use of that fear that you have and to put it in a real life situation where you Again, you don't allow it to fully engulf you or fully control you and you learn how to control it or manage it. And I think that's what's happened in society. We've created these walls. And again, it's that Attack and Titan reference. The Titans are an issue, but they're only a, a particular threat to a certain degree. The threat is us. We've created this wall. We, what did he say? I think he said it on the second podcast, third podcast, that 
we're we're our own best sort of prison um, mm. prison guard, you know, because we we trap ourselves in these walls. Um, yes, we have physical walls around us, but it's the the walls that we create on the inside in our minds that determine how we're going to see the world. And that's basically what's happened throughout this time. We've just allowed ourselves to create physical walls, first of all. And now you've dropped those physical walls. You've created these mental blocks and they haven't gone. It's like chaining up an elephant. I think we were talking about it in the previous podcast with Leo and Senya. It's like chaining up an elephant. Eventually, once you, once you start doing it with the, with the elephant being a, a youngling and you chain it up, eventually you don't need to use a chain because the elephant thinks that it's always in chains. Mm-hmm. So it's that concept. We haven't let go of those uh, mental chains in our, in our heads. And through that, we've created society. Yes, we've expanded society and we've done amazing things. But at the same time, uh, we've so distanced ourselves from nature because we're not willing to experience the hardships of nature, which is also a part of life. So I think that's where those seeds have originally started from. And they've manifested and they've evolved to what they are right now, where, you know, just talking to a couple of my friends who've never been outside the city. They haven't realized that beyond Manchester, we've got amazing countrysides. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's a scary thought, but it's something that is, again, it's, it's only, it's only done, it's, it, we've only just tied ourselves down because of the comforts of, of the, the sort of the names that we've given ourselves in the environment that we've created for ourselves. So yeah, it's really deeply fascinating. Um, yeah, I, just, I remember Sadhguru talking about, uh, I think someone asked Sadhguru about goals and how you know we should, why is why do you always say that we shouldn't really aspire for goals and, and trying to achieve you know strive for goals he said it's not the fact that you shouldn't strive for goals it's the fact the, the issue comes is when you're perverted by the goal you know your it's your attachment towards a goal as opposed to being in love with the process of achieve you know going through the process and being in love with the process itself so i think we've done the same things to ourselves in terms of where we are right now as well where we've the goal is to create a revolution. Well, the goal, the goal is to almost eliminate manual labor and create these machines, aspire for a future where machines and technology does all the work for us. But at what cost? What's that going to create? It's going to create environments where human beings are now mentally depressed. You know, that's why mental health is one of the reasons why mental health is a big problem is because we've now moved away from uh, things that were normally human, you know, manual stuff, is human. People are supposed to do manual stuff. That's why uh, washing your dishes and you know cleaning the house is quite cathartic. It's manual labor. That's taken away because we've wanted to create comfort as opposed to you know functionality in that environment. But yeah, it's gone all over the place. <laughs> but yeah, it's a very interesting question because we, I don't think you can fully pinpoint it on one thing. I just think going from what, where we were thousands of years ago to where we are right now, it has to have gone through many different curves and, and sort of, you know, meanders to get to where we are right now. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's very fascinating. Yeah, I think with the technology side of things, it will make life efficient and easy, but it's harmonizing that with nature as well. It's, it's using uh, reusable fuels and technology that's easily powered and doesn't require the petrol and also the mindset of, of us using the technology. Mm. You know, know the social media epidemic and people feel lonelier now than ever and as you said the mental health issues but that that's because we're looking at the wrong places for that fulfillment like the likes i was saying to you like two thousand people watching that meditation video and which blew my mind like you know and that's on the scale of i've never experienced that many people watching a meditation i did so that was great but it's not like that won't have its hooks in me like i felt the elation of oh wow you know it's responded well and people left such nice comments and so great but this is a form of technology bridging and, and thing, taking things together. Now I could take that and go, right, I need to get more content out, more videos and capitalize on this opportunity. And you know, that's when it goes off, it's like, well, I'm losing what, what, I would lose them. What would be the point of doing it, which is to share meditation out and make it accessible. And you know, what we're using these tools for, have the tools then corrupted what our original goal was. Mm. And, you know, where are we with it and how we do it? And it, you know, looking at movies and sci-fi and uh, video games and you know, if the, if they've got a futuristic race, they've conquered technology and their issues around it. It's like, right, yeah, I've got this thing that will fly this pad over and I can levitate over there and I can manipulate this with the minority report technology, like, because it's not a thing for them. Do you know what I mean? It's not like, oh yeah, I've got to get this new thing and it's going to do this and that for me. It's like, use it for its purpose, you know, use it for what it is and don't be overcome with that technology. Mm -hmm. That's how we become a more 
advanced civilization and race and you know seed other planets will be because we're using this thing those things aren't using us we're using them and we don't make a big deal about it you know like we still love yeah, 17 people have put a little red love out on this like you know what is it fulfilling and what's it getting for you because if we fall into the trap and that's what our likes and loves are we lose it from the real life and mm. you know the real the or what nature gives us or the fulfillment that we get from just being alive because we're trying to source it then from someone else because we've not experienced it from being alive yeah. and what you said about the possessions and the, the thoughts and where we've got to and how that entraps us all and talking about death and this is it come to me then it's like you know why why is it that meditators are so good in silence or they do silent retreats or the, the yogis go off into the woods or uh, into the caves or you know other traditions and civilizations do bits of, of solitude and, and why is that it's like meditation is that preparation for death and for letting go of everything because within that time you sit down and meditate even in your own home you're letting go of who you think you are what you have to achieve what you want to get done what society says you should do how to please your parents how to make competition in business like it's just, it's just external use it and play with it if it helps you get somewhere but if it takes you away from from what life is like no it's no good the only thing is we can't experience that until we've had a deep meaningful possibly spiritual or mystical experience um, or an elevation of feeling or beauty or all being in nature or something that goes <gasps> you know that was just so simple it's made me feel like that because that's what we are underneath all those other obstacles of the creations of the mind and how we get entangled up like meditation will let you let go of that and it will it will it will give you what nature gives you it's just quiet the mind down it happens almost automatically in nature over a period of time as you said practice on a meditation pr uh, practice you know daily if, to get into that space of ah this is what I am really and the words and the thoughts and the language you're using or whatever and just a circumstance of where I am as is my personality, as is the things I like and do and, and want to become. Like, use it, it's fun. Use the, a healthy ego in that sense. But also know the ego is just an aspect. It's constructed because of where we are. I was watching um, A New World, a Terrence Malick movie. Love Terrence Malick, very philosophical movie. It's beautifully shot. Mm. Uh, That's know. the Paul Contes one, right? Yeah, the Paul Contes one, right? And it's incredible, man. You know, she's Colin, Colin Farrell. Yeah, I think he goes, you know, he's the English guy and he off to see America and, and he ends up spending time with the tribe there and just sees that they're so free and that they don't know jealousy, they don't know competition, they don't know possession, they're living out in nature and just how they are is so different. And the issues come when, you know, people are trying to start trading and they want to take over, the, the English want to obviously take over and... It's such a nice parallel from them being so free and spontaneous and almost all as one hive mind, you know, no hierarchy, you know, so there's a person who leads the, the village, but they're the elder. And that just makes sense. Like, you know, as long more as they've got us, yeah. yeah, more experience with life and what to avoid and what to work with, what plant does what, how to get along and they're playing games like the wind or animals and there's no possession. There's no nothing in the mind. It's like, oh, I want that should be mine. Or I need to achieve this because it's not in their established system. Well, then there's the English side and there's a shot where it's all grim and they're struggling and, you know, they've got the fort around and it looks so barren and empty because they've cut the nature way to make the cabins and the, you know, the lodges and they're getting ill, you know, and it's like, there is a, there is a hundred percent a bridge between the nature and the constructions we have, like this incredible building we're in or the yoga studios or where we have our homes and the shops, like, great, but don't let it become the thing that we then place the ultimate value and your value is it not that. Use your intelligence and, your way of being to create an easier, more efficient environment, but still connected and still a part of nature to be this incredible bit of life that everybody is. You get to reflect on life like, what more is needed than you realize that we are the stars, we are the cosmos, we are the energy around us, we are that, and we get to express it in an individual manner, but you're not separate from it. Like, it's just, no <laughs> words for it, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's tough to explain this kind of reality to people that are, I've never experienced even a tiny glimpse of it. Um, because it, it sounds very much like woo, you know, it's just like all mystical stuff and all sort of, you know, a bunch of hippies getting high and, and the experiences they feel going, uh, being high. But yeah, it's, it's interesting how 
the the concept of bringing the man into nature, which is depicted by John Smith going to the tribe and and Pocahontas' family, and then almost having a resistance to it immediately. And then once he starts to realize that actually, you know, all the the ideas of who he thought he was and the ideas of what he like what he thought life was was broken down in front of his face and, and he really started to see the true beauty of life. That he no longer, when he went back to the settlers, he no longer wanted to live with the settlers because he started to understand that this fulfillment that he had, even a tiny glimpse of the f- fulfillment that he had when he was with the tribesmen was greater than the fulfillment that he had up to that point in his life with the, the settlers. And it's something that Sebastian Younger uh, in his book Tribe mentions. He says, this is one of the reasons where, why there were so many cases um, of, um, and I think it was Thomas Jefferson who, who mentioned it in his diaries or, or his letters to, to the court to say that this is what's happening to the settlers living here. Once they have been kidnapped by the tribesmen, a large portion of them never come back. And we originally thought that they were, they were being killed. But a good, good portion of them were living with the settlers and that was their punishment. And then when the settlers decided, okay, we've taught you that we're not savages, we're going to send you back to your homeland, homelands, most of them actually ran back to the settle, uh, the, uh, the tribesmen because they understood that back home, they didn't have anything there. They had this false identity. And it's something that we do have to ask ourselves, where, how does this identity come about? And we can easily say it's society, our family, our upbringing, but then how do you break away from that? And how do you have, how do you get the initial steps to break away from it? Because if we present this at the global level, so you presented your breathwork on, on YouTube and you had 2000 hits. Now, out of those 2000 people, you'd say about 90, 95%, maybe a bit more benefited from that. But there'll be a very small number of people, it's usually the people that dislike the video. And I noticed that no one like disliked the video yet, but it's normally the people that dislike the video that have an immediate resistance to that. Like, you know, how does that come about? And, how do we bring those sort of people into this into this environment? I suppose, like the the tribe, you know, what you just said with the, when they were captured and they they got a sense of that. Like it's it's very difficult what we were saying with the protests or the anti-protesters and the people who are protesting. Like you're trying to talk to two completely opposing views, and I think people who aren't self-assured or they're not self-dependent. You know, those people will go and find the answers while those who are relying on the parent or the government mm. or the peers, are they not self-actualized, will need to be led there or, or seen or eventually have their own, oh, I wonder what that is, I'm going to go find that out, you know. Um, it's just like, you have to be inspired or you want it or you want to discover or you've got a pure heart to look for the better betterment of humanity. Or, as Eckhart Tolle says, a lot of people who have become enlightened, they'd never done a meditation in their life. They just had enough of the deep suffering and realized the deep suffering is, is from how they're thinking and what their life is about and what how they see life around them. And that's it. It's a perspective of what you see in life. If you go, oh yeah, this is you know a pretty bad situation, but it's how it is, then you're not going to do anything about it. Or you could say... Oh, this is a pretty bad situation. This is how it is now. I'm going to see what I can do about it. Or this is a bad situation. This is how it is. I'm going to change it and make sure everybody else changes a lot. You know, there's so yeah. many different flavors of how we go about our life. And you have to find the one that fits for you. Not purposely. I, I, can you purposely try and change people? Do you know what I mean? It's, you, you have a show, you have a stand, or you explain this is my belief, so this is what I think about. But can you drag those other people to the light or to say... You were part of me. Like, as you said, there's too many that put it down to the hippie experience or something. They, they put it in a box. And it's like, I think if you're looking to, if, you, if you've gone past survival stage, which we have done, it's just we've not let go of it because mm. of the identification. Yes, That's yes, yes. increased the survival rate of, now it's no longer for my actual survival. It's based on my identification survival. And am I getting enough likes and enough content? And am I seen as valuable and like all that stuff has become survival and that isn't you know we've just traded an actual real issue for bullshit made up ones that make us feel we have to survive and it's like you find how you are let yourself go on that mission and that path to discover what life is i mean that's what it comes down to for me is like i look at the stars look at the sky and go what the fuck Mm. that is incredible why are they there why am i here 
Right, and then find out how to enjoy it because I put myself into some right spins like, you know, try and understand it and use the logical mind and it can only take you so far. It's like, put the mind down, meditation, uh, entheogens, uh, yogic techniques, movement, whatever, get into that flow state and, and, and question what is that? Why do I feel at peace? Why is this perfect? Why is this natural? Why do I feel that in nature? And if you don't have to question it, you don't have to, you can just be with that feeling. But if you start to question it, you'll, you'll see the flaws in the systems that we live in and the abstraction of what we put into our mind of how life should be. It can be the way you live in. It can be negative. It can be destructive. It doesn't matter. Like you might have to go through that process. And in, in destruction, you realize, you know, Cali, in the destruction, something beautiful, a new creation can be born. But when you have awareness and you're starting to direct it somewhere, you'll be a hell of a lot of a cleaner process and you'll be willing to go into it, to go into solace, to go on your own, to find out that you're this bit of the universe, experience it from itself and you're not the image, you're not the mind, you're not the traps of the thoughts or the com competitions. Like Once we've been able to let go of that and feel it, you can just be at peace with how mm. life is and construct in a positive way, not from ego, but from let's make life better. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree with that. And I think when you were just saying that, I just thought of something I watched yesterday. So there was a lad in America, um, I think his YouTube channel is called Prague U or something. And he goes around doing these mini studies and stuff, conducts them. And uh, one of the studies he was conducting was cultural appropriation. And he was wondering whether cultural appropriation existed for the Native Americans. Uh, and do now people say, well, you can't wear the feathers on your head and you can't uh, make the Native American call noise because you've been disrespectful to uh, the Native Americans. So he was going around and I think he was in, uh, I think he was in Arizona. I'm not 100% sure. Um, and he's talking to these, there was a, a museum that was dedicated for Native, Native Americans and their history. And, and you go there to learn about the history of the natives and, and obviously the people that were running the place were Native Americans. And he was just asking him about cultural appropriation. And I, you know, I was just completely baffled, but at the same time, so, satisfied by their responses. Not a single one person, maybe this is biased, you can say maybe he's just selected the people that have this opinion, but looking from the genuine expressions of the people around, so not even the people that he asked, but the people in the background sort of walking around, you can honestly see how at peace they were. So they said, yes, we do understand what's happened to our people, um, but the way to approach it is to not cause uh, you know, dissonance, not to go out there and just say, Where's our rights? We demand this. And for them, funnily enough, it wasn't even in their culture to do that. Natives are not known to, to be provocative or to be confrontive, um, or confronting people to say, this is what our rights are. He said, if someone does something, um, and it offends him, it's on him to be offended. It's, it's him. It's his right to decide to not be offended. So, if someone offends you, it's because you've decided to be offended by that. He said what he sees is when people wear the Native American costumes for Halloween and stuff, he sees it as appreciation. And I think he mentioned what about the um, the American football teams that were named, you know, there are a couple of them that are named after him. Redskins. Redskins, exactly. exactly. And he mentioned that the Redskins isn't that a uh, uh, degrading, derogatory name. And, uh, and he said, well, no, it's, it's showing that, uh, you know, if someone called me a redskin, I'd appreciate that because, you know, a large portion of their tribes uh, were, were known as the redskins. So he, would, he never saw that as a negative thing. And he asked a couple of people about that and said, it's not negative. And plus they probably get on an American football team. It shows that they have some sort of respect to these people. Um, and again, it's all about perspective. You can easily shift that and say, well, I see that as a negative thing and this and that, but it's just so amazing to see a bunch of people that have no animosity towards what's happened to their ancestors. You know, it's just absolutely, it's liberating in a world where, you know, obviously with all the stuff that's going on, it's just, it's almost easy to be swept away in the crowd and say, I want to be a part of this. And, and I think the only way we enact change is if we, go out there, we rally and we stamp our feet and make as much noise as possible. Whereas these guys are doing completely the opposite, the silent way of doing it. So we're talking about fasting in different ways, fasting, you know, food-wise, fasting, celibacy-wise, and fasting the way you talk and the way you, you go about, about your actions. And these people were doing it without being vocal. And for the way they were, were describing it, I was just like, yeah, this is the true way of really understanding life. It's the fact that no one can change the way you feel, only you can. So when something happens, it's down to you how you obviously react or respond in that situation. So 
yeah, it was just very refreshing to hear that. The fact that there are people out there, the cultures that are out there that exist, that don't treat the whole society as a negative thing. Yes, it's, it's bad what's happened to the natives, but it's also great that they've created society the way, the way they've created them. Technology has been a manifestation from that creation, but they don't hold anything against the modern generation. And instead, they educate them about what their ancestry was all about and who they really were. I think that's just such a different way of, of presenting it. And uh, it's, it's something that's lost because, and again, it goes back to what you said about that movie that you watched, The New World. It was the tribesman saying to the, the settler that we're not savages. Mm. But instead of saying, look, sitting him down and saying, we're going to slap you around the face and say we're not savages and force it down your throat that we're not savages, which is exactly representing your savagery <laughs> in a way. They're doing it in the most compassionate, kind way. Mm. And I think that is something that is so... Uh, massively missing in this world where people do it in such a compassionate way and it's it's like what we just said about how do we bring people that don't understand this world of accepting life is all one Mm -hmm. instead of presenting it in such a woo-woo way we we take it and and we give them what we can in terms of kindness and passion we show it to them and it's if they respond to that and say actually you know what I, i agree with what you guys are saying uh, great, but if they disagree with it, there is no point in you trying to slap them across the face and forcing it down their throat. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's deadly fascinating. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's it's like how to to combat the opposite is what the tribe are doing. Is being nice and going, look, this is how we live. And if you have an argument with somebody or you, your disagreement, it's true that fire will won't match against fire. Like you're not going to get anywhere. Like anger versus anger. Well, if you go. Okay, yeah, yeah, that is a is a good point. I don't quite see it that way, but I see it from this. Like, can you tell me more why you see things? And it will calm that person down rather than going, "No, you're wrong. It must be this." Well, no, because you know that it's literally it's so simple in it. Like that's how obvious it is. <laughs> it generally is. Be the one who can let go of of having to prove it or to win or to be right. That's when you've overcome yourself because you're not trying to prove that your way of life is better anymore. Like you're saying, these are the options and this is what I chose and why. And that other person will be like, don't be silly, that's stupid. And like, you can then go, well, you don't know because you've not been there, you know? And, and instantly the anger can come up, but it's like, okay, if you ever change your mind and you want to find out, fine. You know, you can't drag them or, or force them to do it. Um, but I feel like it's like the person you are. If you're, so if you're a person that has confronted those issues and you're very calm about it, then your demeanor will be calm. Whereas if mm-hmm. you've still got those bottling issues inside you and again about the physical body and the mental state if you've got those bottling issues inside you and you're only doing it so then you can push your your message onto someone else it's going to spill over in some other way it's like it's linking to what we were saying about going into nature why don't we want to accept that other experience even if it's not ours or it's somebody else it's identification again it's 100% I'm not dying I'm not allowing my beliefs to die or how I've been brought up to die or my negative conditioning, or the pain I'm holding on to, or the trauma, I'm not gonna let it die. Uh, so I'm right and you're wrong, you know? And it's it's everybody's perspective is true, even if it's a fraction of truth. Your negative outlook or your positive outlook is true because of your outlook. Like it's real, that part of, you, of life, you are experiencing that. Now you're allowing that to be true. If you want the opposite to be true, allow that to be true, do you know what I mean? It's what we're we holding on to so much and why, and does it really serve us? Um, you know, using protest and obviously the, the current situation, I don't know, you know, I've not heard anything on the news about the, the Black Lives Matter at the minute, what we're on like three weeks on or a month on. Yeah, I think about three or four weeks on. You know, has that movement died or down or are people still doing something towards it? I, I don't know. But the, the act of protest is to say, listen, we're here and we're here to be heard. That can have an effect and it can also not have an effect. Like it's, it's how we go about it and why we're choosing to use that method or that term or those beliefs. To, to enact it because the silence, you know, is such an interesting thing. Um, and we mentioned it in the, the podcast we did together, uh, Victor Frank's, uh, his feeling in, um, in the concentration camps. Yeah. He was very much like, well, I'm going to have a positive mindset to this. And um, a friend of mine um, posted a picture on it today, actually, one of these pages. And it was saying on there, uh, Mel, it was, she posted it and it was saying that, 
a lot of the people died in the concentration camps because they thought they were going to be saved by Christmas. And he said it was a naive thought. They thought they were going to be out by Christmas because they dropped their, their hope or their belief that they were going to get saved. Their immune system dropped and they became ill and, they, and loads of them died while he just kept going. This is where I am. And all I can do to make the best of this situation is change my change the reality on it. Now, which reality is the actual reality? Because you're colouring and shading life with your reality, whether it's to protest and fight against the evils in the world, or whether it's to sit and do nothing and let the world figure itself out, or whether it's to be selfishly devouring the world in the negative mind frame to make it how you want it to be. Are they not all doing the same thing in a way? You know, so it's how do you find them? The question is, how do you find the most compassionate and unifying and understanding way to get through life and to make positive change? You've got to be accepting and view, knowing that the reality that somebody else has seen for it is my side's right or your side's wrong or your side's right and mine's wrong. They're shades of reality. So find that the best way you know that your consciousness experience in life don't attach to how it should be done because yes, your may, right, may be right for you and a few others or the majority, but it's still not right for the other people. Yeah. So the forcing of compassion is ironically not compassion. So I don't understand how people don't see that. The fact that you're forcing your ideas of compassion, and it is that, it is coming from a good place. You can see that it's coming from a good place, but the execution is just not fully thought out. Like you forcing someone to be compassionate is not compassion because you're driving your narratives and your ideologies down someone's throat and saying, if you don't agree with this, then you are completely wrong. And it just... Yeah, it's, it's a it's a strange state of fair to be in, but yeah, it's just it's it's amazing at the same time to really to be in that environment and to not be affected by it. I think that is one of the hardest things, but one of some of the well, I think it's one of the greatest things as well. And, and people will say, well, you're just being ignorant, that's why you're not being affected by it. Well, no, you're receptive to it, and and like you said, it's these rights have gone on. I feel as though they are just the okay. You've made a massive. You know, you've made your presence known. So what's next? So it's like giving uh, your ideas about the future of technology and saying we should, you know, we should create cars that are energy efficient and this and that. But have you got the plans for it? Uh, no. So what's the point in you making a massive issue about you know the the issue with the energy thing if you don't have the plans for it? And that's what the problem is. We've got too many people jumping on the bandwagon about this whole thing and no one's got a plan after it. Or the plan is, well, we're going to force compassion down your throat. Well, you know, either way, it's, it's, it's just not going to work. And, and it's to, to understand that, you know, each person has their own way of, of seeing the world and, and we need to treat each individual person differently and say, okay, how do I, how do you feel about this situation? How are you going to step into the sort of, the, the, the plans of the future to deal with this situation? And yeah, that hard that process is a lot harder, and and it's it's a reflection of how impatient we are. It goes back to all the movie stuff that we just said. People are so impatient in terms of um, what wanting to watch a movie that has you know the, the drama and all the the sort of the intricacies take a long time to to open and for you to delve into. But they rather take the the quick simpler option, which is just you know, fireworks and explosions and boom, they're satisfied with that. And it's moving your satisfaction towards a side which is slower and, and more sort of patient and appreciating the tiny details in the, in the sort of the story itself. So I think that's something that has to happen at the individual level. You have to see that change and say, actually, I want to slow down my fast-paced lifestyle and go for something that's a bit more subtle and, and appreciates the, the tiny details in, in what I'm doing. Um, I think I was listening to Kit Lachlan, he's uh, my mentor, the stretch mentor, and he said, you know, a question that I ask my students all the time, and it's something that people don't really think about is, when's the last time you felt your old clothes? And, and I remember thinking to myself when I listened to that, I feel them every day. Like I even feel my socks right now sat down on this mat. I'm feeling, I'm feeling the socks around my feet. And it's an incredible question because it's so simple, but it's something that we'd never fully understand. It's like, when people say, how do I become conscious? How do I sit there? How do I meditate? Well, you can just meditate on the thought of how the clothes feel around you, mm. you know, and how it, how it feels to be wrapped up in these in these garments. So, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, and it shows you can have those moments of awareness anywhere. And I think when, you, when you're interested in that or you get asked those deep questions, it requires self-reflection. Go on that journey. Mm. And it's something that I've been doing recently with the meditation. You know, there's a point 
because I'm doing like a 40 day not challenge but got to do my kundalini yoga yeah. every day 40 days follow Kriya through and do a meditation with it and you know journal it as well and not only that but from what I experienced in the woods because there'll be times where my meditation is I do my meditation because that's what I do and that's my discipline and I'll be in a trying to meditation and it'll be almost um, automatic like not I'm not focused on the meditation I'm doing it but I'm not like there do you know what I mean it's it's like how anything becomes monotonous the drive to work you can switch your brain off and drive a vehicle that can kill you and many others cause traffic jams whatever and you can get to work without thinking about it and meditation can do that if we're not aware I remember developing the technique as one of my clients said to me he was, he was getting into meditation he's like oh I've got you know I can he couldn't count the numbers because the basic one was just count your breath one yeah two, three, do that, get to 10 and come back down. And he couldn't do it. And then over a few weeks practice, he got there. And then in two months later, he was like, I found out now that I'm counting while I'm thinking. So he'll have the, the numbers counting in the part of his mind while he's thinking about, oh, I can't wait for dinner. You know what I mean? Um, because we get so good at these skills, we're using different layers of the mind. Um, it's incredible. So it's like to see what we're doing, like you said, feel the clothes, be where you are, just that's your meditation, bring in awareness in, in that moment and, and let it absorb who we are and the environment that we're at. And as you said about the environment, it's so hard if we're looking for social justice or something that we're not swept up by what's going on. Great, go go into nature then. Let, let's get yeah. swept up in that and have that experience. It will trigger these questions or these feelings on a deeper level to follow, to understand more. Like it was said, Percy something, the guy's name, and there's a quote that he says, um, all man would be on the search if they had developed the, you know, the life to do so. Mm. Uh, I've, I've butchered that quote, but the, it's basically trying to say that if people weren't busy running around, creating, stacking up the, the money or worried about the security of the house, which are natural and which come with the way that we live, um, you know, or comparing, or I've got to be this, or I've got to be that. If you didn't have those worries, you would be on the search. Mm. Every man would be on the search, every man, every woman, because that's behind everything. Like, <laughs> sorry, I've, I've lost my track as well. Tie back into the meditation, being in the woods. It's like, I was just bored of my own thoughts, even the pleasurable ones or the joyful ones, or I'm gonna, oh, I can't wait to do that. And, you know, not just beat myself up over things in the past, or, you know, all of them were just pointless because they just, again and again and again even if it's a new fantasy or a new thing to enjoy again it's something new to enjoy it's not real like the thoughts are just showing me where my psyche's at and what things are popping in and out and then it was like not even an effort to put them down it was like my thought it seemed my thoughts were even bothered being themselves like mm. let's just chill now being in nature and the meditation and then the continued meditation now it's like I'm hungry to just stop thinking to because that's the state that's being developed um, by being in the environment or by looking for the answers because the answers for an understanding of where I am in the universe an answer is that you're not going to get there by thought the questions will lead you to going into that silence or going into what you are um, or to, 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 to search for those experiences that go that's what life is it's not about thinking my way out of it you know yeah it's, it's, it's really interesting that journey itself is it's such a natural response to attach yourself to the process of the, the journey itself as well. Um, so I know I said that earlier that we should be attaching ourselves to the process, but at the same time, it's how we attach ourselves to the process. So like you said, when you meditate and you're, you're thinking about things and you're thinking about counting the meditation, it's so easy to start counting the meditation and eventually catch yourself out and think, oh, I'm meditating because I'm counting my breaths now. And you think that is now meditation. Yeah. And it's, it's exactly what Patanjali says in the Yoga Sutras. He goes, it's the fact that just because you concentrate on one thing and then by concentrating on the one thing, you, you've gained something out of it, you gain a new experience out of it. That new experience is not the meditation itself, which is very weird to, to fully grasp the fact that you've done all this thing and, and you've been told that by doing this, you, you know, you're going to get this, this, achieve this state. And you think you've achieved this sort of state because you've experienced, you've experienced something that's different to what you were usually experiencing. And now you've attached yourself to that experience of feeling as though, okay, this is what meditation is. It's, um, that's why it's so difficult. And at the same time, it's so simple. 
because the process can be as simple as it wants to be or it can, it can be as difficult as it wants to be as how, how as how you want it to be as well and what you want to take away from it so now it's just i think for me is to to experience these little things that happen but then to just be like eh, you know it's something to to continue doing but it's nothing to be fully sort of clinging on to you don't want to be clinging on to those little wins that you get on the side it's great to appreciate and say oh this is a great win i've, I've got um, it's like any goal you achieve. If you're going towards those goals, it's great to tick, on, tick them off and say, I'm on the right process. But then it's, you can get so caught up with that and think, you know, this is amazing. I'm, I'm doing everything the right way. But then it takes one little instance um, for the whole concept or the whole thing to collapse on itself. And, and then where, where are you then? You know, you're starting again from square one. So I think it's very important for us to, to when, when we delve into anything that we do in life, to not be solely dependent on the gratification we receive from doing the act itself so yeah this conversation has just gone all, all over the place but it's, it's very interesting because it started off with when you're in nature how do you appreciate uh, how do you appreciate how do you integrate that nature back in you when you go back to your daily life like we said something about the seed how how does the seed create how does the seed manifest in a person that hates nature and wants to just destroy it and I think we've taken it in different directions because I don't think there is a simple answer to it. Mm. I think it's the fact that it's a difficult question to to ask someone as well. I think it might be just your view on reality. Like, you know, you said that nicely that the man, you know, why do they hate and want to destroy nature? Because he's, he's going to gain something for the personality. Mm. Might be more money. You know, they, they pay locals in, in the Brazilian rainforest to chop it down and to burn it and the government's looking at overriding laws so they can do more of it and it's like why why do you want to do that to get more money to to do what like just to keep building 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 when we are destroying the actual the enzyme the, the world that we live on the thing that feeds us you know we're all one whole and that's that major major separation from everything else is what causes that I think and that's because the investment has been on an individual level of comparison, of seeing everything in the world as separate from yourself. It can only feed that is the fear-based, I need to survive, I need to be on top, I need to be respected, I need to be uh, seen as somebody because it keeps me in the tribe or it keeps me in power and I need power to be masculine and I need masculine to get more feminine and what, you know, just achievement, 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 like gain, 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 survive, survive, survive. So it's not even to hate or despise people that are like that because they've only got wrapped up in the fear or the isolation or thinking that that's the game um, that it's not a game that that's what life is but that is the game like use those tools to make a better more harmonious world for the whole not the individual and when people are ready and they go oh yeah I want to see what that experience is and they want to go and try something new or they want to try meditation that will lead you down a path that brings you into the world in such a unifying way that it, it's harmony, it's a, a harmonic vibration. Harmony is do 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 do, like a beautiful sound. Yeah. And if you, the notes you're playing are sour, ain't gonna sound good or feel good. And you just see that on the, the the way the effect it has around you. Like look at the bigger impact of the individual things that we're doing. If it's more negative and you feel good about it, you need to check in with yourself. Like, why do I feel like that? Why am yeah. I? Why am I good? Why yeah. do I feel happy that they're at a loss and a defeat, or oh, it's just a tree, or doesn't matter? There's plenty. You know what I mean? It's like if we're destructive, destruction can be positive. Again, you just look at Cali and, and how that destruction brings creation. But when it's positive destruction, to make space for something new, you know, like the um, you know the mandalas mm. or the yantras that the Tibetan Buddhists draw, and they draw them out of coloured sand, and it can take years. Soon as they're done, big white through it. Yeah, they dust yeah. it off to show impermanence, and that's what you're saying. Suppose about once you've had a, an achievement, maybe celebrate it to boost you and keep you going, but don't hold on to that achievement itself. It's like, oh, I've done this. Now I need to do it better next time. Like, no, like, meditation will show you that you can't expect it or demand it be better next time because it very likely won't be. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you let it go and it's gone. There's no clinging on anymore. It's past. It's been going to the next thing and going to it positively and going into the, the next moment of life without the expectation of it trying to be something else, just what makes this moment whole? Where do I need to be within myself to be connected to everything around me? And if somebody's got a conflicting opinion or a different way of life, 
I'm not knocked off by it like the Redskins. It's like, well, that's just something else's view. It doesn't mean it's yeah. derogatory personally to me because they might be seeing it as a compliment, you know, and then gets the whole British, oh no, here's your table manners and here's how you have to speak. And I saw a really cool meme yesterday. It was, um, you know, uh, Chancellor Palpatine in Star Wars. Yeah. So he's like looking upright and he says, what, what English history thinks it is, and this upright image. And then it was Sidious all mutating and looking gross <laughs> and what English history really is, you know. And, the British history is just a great fallacy of the, the mixed up minds and what we tell people is right and we colonise the world and it was all this and we were fucking shit up in a horrendous way mm-hmm. there's been some benefits with culture in the sense of development and materials and whatnot, but at the cost of forcing people to be life how we are mm-hmm. forcing that compassion forcing civilization to be as us and it's like what you know <laughs> Is that worth it? Is mm. it worth it when those people were peaceful and happy as they were? And things develop over time. And it's, let's trade ideas, but without resistance to each other, but just going, oh, that doesn't fit with my culture. But maybe there's a, a version of that culture that we can implore to integrate it more. Yeah. So to tie everything up, um, the reason why we go out into nature is to remind ourselves that this is what life is. <laughs> you know, the life that we've created in the four walls that we live in, it's just a life that we've created. The actual life that exists out there is is what's their nature and I think this is why people are so connected to nature in that way that's why they have to go camping it's because it brings everything down back to that primitive level again where you're having to sit around a fire you're having to defecate you know out in the wild somewhere that kind of thing and I think that's why we're so yeah that's why we're so mesmerized by it because it, it brings us that, that joy or, or that that natural you know love for nature that exists so yeah, it's something I think the more the more that you realize people, the more people that you meet that are fascinated by nature in terms of being out there all the time, going hiking, you know, seeing animals, watching wildlife and stuff, the more you, you start to see that, you know, those are the sort of people that really appreciate life for what it is. Mm. It's bringing the people that don't surround themselves, maybe even 10% of their life in that environment, those are the ones that, you know, really need to to try and experience that sort of life. And I think if most people did that, then the world would be a better place, you know, to to go out there in nature, to really appreciate what nature is, to live amongst nature. You do understand that this is what life really is. And, and if you knew that, then you wouldn't destroy the planet. I think we wouldn't be in the situation we're in right yeah. now. Because, um, yeah. But yeah, I think that's a great place to wrap up. How long have we gone for? An hour and seven minutes. Gosh. Yeah. Not bad at all, right? Good timing. Right. Okay, guys. So this podcast will be on Spotify, Instagram, and YouTube as always. Mm-hmm. And we will put a preview on, on Instagram. And this should be out on Thursday. What day are we on today? Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. So two days. Thursday. Right. We'll see you on the next one. Boom. Done. <laughs>